We're going to be talking about peace today. Say peace. And I really believe it's a word of the Lord for us today. I don't just preach messages for the sake of topics. I really do believe that God, when he delivers his word, his word contains the power to perform what it is sent out to perform. And so you might be going through some troubled waters. You might be going through some time of unrest in your life. This is why God has ordered your steps to be here today. The word of the Lord to you today is peace. I love that. The Bible talks about a peace that passes understanding. Isn't that great? That means when your brain says there shouldn't be peace right now because of all this stuff that's going on in my life, there's a restfulness inside. There's an assurance that God is with you and he's working things together for your good. I speak this over you today. Isn't that wonderful? Let me pray for you this morning. Can I just pray this as we open? We're doing this a little different today. Let me just pray this into your spirit because I really pray today's word brings peace. So Heavenly Father, right now I begin to pray over this house. I begin to pray for those watching on the internet that God, your peace invade this place. That God, your shalom, your wholeness, nothing missing, nothing broken. God, I pray for peace of heart, peace of mind. I speak peace to the storms that they're facing. Lord, we rebuke those storms like Jesus did. And if they're demonically influenced, then we call those things done. Those assignments destroyed and stopped in Jesus' name. And God, I pray as your word of peace begins to flood our heart and flood our spirit today, that faith would rise. And that God, this peace that passes understanding will guard their heart and their mind. Now, God, they don't walk out of here with the same stress. They don't walk out of here with the same concern. They don't walk out of here in an unstable place. They leave changed. They leave stable. They leave whole and excited, expecting God to do great and mighty things. If you can agree with that, would you say a big amen? Amen. amen. All right, let's get into God's word today about peace. Open your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of Luke, chapter 2. Book of Luke, chapter 2. I'm going to talk to you today about peace with God, peace within, and peace with others. Peace with God, peace within, peace with others. And let's start in this Christmas passage that's so familiar to so many of us. Let's talk about this peace and where it begins. Luke, chapter 2, verse 8. That night there were shepherds staying in the field nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Do not be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring you great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. You will recognize him by this sign, you will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. I love that message, that declaration from the heavenly hosts, and that it's this angelic army declaring there is now God's peace offering, his Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the earth, the sins of the world, that God's peace offering was in the earth so that God could have peace between God and man. For some of us, it's important that we remember that man was fallen because that announcement of peace on earth 
goodwill towards man whom God is well pleased, that there was a separation and a divide from the foundation of the earth. When Adam and Eve sinned, when they violated God and they took of that fruit and they disobeyed and rebellion filled the earth, that there was a separation, there was a lack of peace, there was a broken relationship, there was, there was a separation, a chasm between man and God, and it was real and it existed. And God tried to interact with man as much as he could through prophets, and he would come and speak to different individuals. But there was just big separation between mankind and God, and it was sin. There was a wall between us. There was a gap between us. But now, in this moment, the angels of God are declaring that God's peace offering, that God's solution to that separation was now in the earth so that mankind could walk with God again, so that they could be one, they could be together, amen. God could be in your life, and you could walk in the life of God through this life that we live. And that wasn't possible. We need to see that and remember that or else this announcement is too simplistic to us. We're like, oh, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. But you remember before this moment, there was only sin and there was separation and the devil, the God of this world was running things. But now God had a solution. He had a payment for it all. He had a way to fix it, not just cover it, but to fix it, amen, and to remove that sin and to bring you into himself. So that's where this idea of peace with God, but this appreciation of peace with God kind of loses something if you don't realize the separation that once existed. Do you remember back in the Old Testament, people couldn't go into the presence of God. If they would walk into the presence of God, they would die, not because God was trying to kill them, but because that sinful life and that sin upon them couldn't stand in his holy presence. They couldn't go into the holy of holies. God's goodness and his holiness would literally overcome their fallenness. But now, because of what this peace offering has done, not only can we walk boldly into the throne of grace and into the presence of God, his Holy Spirit can reside inside of you. The, the presence that we weren't allowed to touch now lives and abides in you because of this good news and this peace offering that was brought to the earth. Peace with God. That's where real peace begins. Because if we're not at peace with God, all the other peace is meaningless. It starts with peace with God. Go ahead, give him praise. Romans chapter 5. Open your Bibles, flip over to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. We're going to use a lot of scripture today. Romans chapter 5, peace with God. I was just really appreciating these verses this week. I made myself just read them again and again and just let my heart and my mind just be filled with these verses this week. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God. But it's because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Somebody say amen. amen. Would you receive that? Just don't, I'm not here to impress you with my preaching. I am here to point you to the Scripture. Amen. This is the most impressive preacher you're ever going to hear is this right here. And the moment you get this, that you can believe this as coming from God himself, you have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ has done. 
not based on your good works, not based on your perfect obedience, not because you're worthy. How many times does the devil get up in our head that you're not good enough, look what you just did, you just failed again. All these reasons of why we're back at enemies with God, and yet here the Bible just reminds you that you have peace with God because of Jesus Christ. And I love that it says that we have been made right in God's sight. Not one day you'll be made right. Not one day when you get to heaven you'll be made right. But you have been positioned into right standing with God. So now you can talk to him. Now you can hear from him. Now he can interact with you as a mom, as a dad, as a business person. You can go ask him questions and he can get involved in your business. He can get involved in your home. All of the goodness that God is, he can bring that into your home because you are in right standing. Not one day in the sweet by and by, but you're in right standing with God in the rotten here and now, but you're not living under the circumstances. You're living in a position as being in right standing with God, and you have access to him when you need him right here through this valley of the shadow of death that we walk through. Are you seeing that? Because of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. You are in a place of undeserved privilege. You can go and talk to the God of the universe. You can go and receive the mind of Christ when you have questions and you need answers. Undeserved privilege to, to be able to carry the power of God, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you. That's awesome. Undeserved privilege. I didn't deserve this privilege. I live a blessed, privileged life. I live a highly favored life. So do you. Say so to me. So do I. So do you. You say that. I live a highly blessed and favored life. I am in a place of undeserved privilege. The devil will try to tell you you don't deserve it, and you can say, I know. But because of Jesus, I am in Christ, he is in me, he has placed me, I am seated with him in heavenly places. See, I'm trying to help build your faith today in the peace that is available to us between us and God. When you haven't asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, you don't have peace with God. You have to receive it through faith. The Bible just says because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place. Christ has created the possibility for you to have peace with God. God doesn't want to be your enemy. God doesn't want you at odds with him. And he's created a peace pathway, a peace offering to bring you into a place of undeserved privilege, closer to him than you could possibly imagine, to have access to him so that you can have peace in this world and peace about what's coming after this world. Amen a place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. Where we now stand. All the language here is so beautiful. If you'll just let the Bible talk to you for a little bit. Because sometimes we, we see ourselves only on our knees before God. But here, now we're also standing. We're standing upright like sons and daughters of God with dominion and authority over the enemy and authority over sin and the ability to stand in the gap and to pray God's miracles and God's breakthrough and blessing into this world, into the dark places. 
to be able to stand up against the onslaught of the enemy because you have confidence with God and you know who you are in Christ. Amen. This place where we now stand of undeserved privilege and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Open your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of Colossians. Just a couple pages over, Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 21. Colossians 1, verse 21. Actually, I'm going to go up a little higher. Can I do that? Can I throw an extra two verses in? Go up to verse 19. For God in all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him, through Christ, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you. Woo! <laughs> you say, but I'm not good enough. If you, don't, you don't even know my backstory. My backstory is so dark, and you might have all these reasons, but the Bible here is telling you this includes you who were once far away from God. Say far away from God. Far away. Far away from God. You were his enemies. Now remember, sometimes we don't realize how far away from God we were. Sometimes we forget that we were God's enemies. That he wasn't for us. Not because he didn't want to be for us, but he couldn't be for us. Because we were servants of the devil. We were living lives of sin. We were in darkness. And we forget that. That's why this Christmas season is such a big deal. In steps the solution. In steps the Savior. In steps the peace offering. Amen. It's not just about the carols and the cookies, though we praise God for cookies. Say hallelujah for cookies. <laughs> Nothing wrong with cookies. Amen. Especially those ones with the Hershey kiss on the top. Come on, somebody. Somebody. But we have to remember these things. You don't need new sermons. Sometimes you need to remember what God's been doing. You were his enemies. We were separated from him, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. We didn't think right. We didn't live right. Our conclusions weren't correct. Our assumptions weren't correct. Our minds were enemies of God's, of God. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself. There's that now time again. Not one day, not in the future, but he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. This reconciliation, it's not just this emotional thing where we're like, hey, God loves you, and come to church, and God loves you. There was this genuine separation, this genuine divide between mankind and God, and it existed for thousands of years. God, through his relationship with Israel, created different pathways that they could fellowship with God through sacrifice and a covenant, but none of it was the right solution. None of it was permanent. But all of it was a picture of one day there would be a lamb from God. One day there would be the payment of death that would pay for the sins of the world. That anyone who would believe in him would have their sins forgiven, removed, washed away. And now you wouldn't just be forgiven, you would be positioned to one place of undeserved privilege. It's one thing to be forgiven, it's another thing to be repositioned. I was under the devil's feet, now I'm seated with him in heavenly places, with Christ in heavenly places. Amen. It's one thing to be forgiven and left in my mess, it's another thing to be made the body of Christ. It's another thing to be given dominion and authority. Are you understanding this? You have been reconciled 
So now it's not one day we'll be reconciled. Now let's live out of a life of reconciliation. Let's live out of a peace that says, I am reconciled to God. If I'm going through something, I'm not going through it alone. God is with me. Not God come be with me, but God is with me because we are reconciled and we are one. I am in him, he is in me. And now there's this peace and assurance because he is with me. Are you seeing this? You were enemies separated, yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. You are holy. Say holy. Would you write these things in your notes? Say, I am holy. You are holy and blameless. And blameless. Write that in your notes. I'm holy and I'm blameless. As you stand before him without a single fault. Without a single fault. We are so conditioned to see all those things that are wrong with us, with life. But here in this, the way God sees you, the way God interacts with you, you stand before him holy, blameless, without a single fault. And you know, the individual writing this, the Apostle Paul, he had made a lot of mistakes in his life too. And here he is declaring God's goodness and grace that he stands before God, holy, blameless, without a single fault. He used to stand by and watch people die in the, for the name of Jesus. He was in opposition. He was a physical enemy of the church of Jesus. And yet here, he was able to receive grace. He's able to receive this forgiveness. He's able to receive this, this ability to say, God, I don't deserve this. God, my mind is still full with all my failures, with all these memories. But because of Jesus, I stand before you holy, blameless, Please receive that. Someone in this room today are watching. Blameless. Without a single fault. Without a single fault. The way God sees you. Without a single fault. That's not about you earning it. That's not six months from now after you get everything together. This is by faith in Christ alone. Now this is the position of undeserved privilege that you've been given. Here's a prophecy from the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 32, verse 17, when Christ would come into the earth, talking about righteousness. It says, and the effect, Isaiah 32, 17, and the effect of righteousness will be peace, internal and external. And the result of righteousness will be quietness and confident trust forever. That's why I wanted to start talking to you first about peace with God. Because the result of you understanding your righteousness, what does righteousness mean, Pastor Kevin? I'm new to church. That's a big word for me. The word righteousness means this. You are in right standing with God. You are in right standing with God because you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ. And that right standing with God is supposed to result in peace, internal peace, and then it manifests in external peace around you. Because if God before you, it doesn't matter what's against you. Are you hearing me today? But how do I know God is for me? I, I still make mistakes. I still have bad thoughts. I still say bad things. I still do things I'm not proud of. Because you have faith in Christ. 
You have peace with God. He's going to work out that other stuff with you. He's not done with you yet. Amen? But there's this peace, this original core peace that God is for me. And if God is for me, then I can go through a valley. I can go through a storm. I can go through other people harassing and challenging and opposing because if God is for me, it doesn't matter what's against me. But the devil wants you to question, is God for me? Is God for me? Because I, I, I wasn't perfect this week. Is God for me? Because my, my, my behavior wasn't perfect this week. And he tries to put you back into a place of lack of peace to put that, that assurance of God being for you back on your shoulders rather than on Jesus' shoulders. But the effect of this righteousness will be peace, internal and external, and as a result of righteousness will be quietness and confident trust forever. And I pray that quietness over you right now and that confident trust over you right now. God is with you. God is for you. Somebody say amen. 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 Which now leads me to peace within ourselves because I have this stability now that God is with me. God is for me. I'm in right standing with God. Peace within ourselves. I was listening to a message two, three weeks ago, and someone made this comment, and I had to think about it for a little bit, because you, know, you don't just want to accept anything somebody says, right? But this is what they said. They said, fear so often lies in the future tense, that a lot of fear is connected to the future, that you're not necessarily afraid of the past because the past has already happened. What you might be afraid of is that your past catches up with your future, right? But you're not necessarily afraid of the past. But fear so often is linked to the future. Fear of what may come. Fear of what may catch up with me. Fear of the unknown. That's all future, right? All this unrest. What may come, what may catch up. Fear of the unknown. Fear of not measuring up to someone's expectation that you might meet or be in contact with. Fear of running out. We've had those fears before. Fear that we're not going to be able to pay the bill. Fear that we're not going to have enough to give our kids, to give enough to give all that's expected of us at work. Fear of running out. Fear of safety. What could happen? What could happen? What could happen? Do you see this, this futuristic connection to fear? It's not so much fear of the past. It's not even so much of the fear of this moment. Hopefully you're not sitting in your seat right this moment, afraid of this moment. You may be afraid of something that may happen after church, but in this moment, right this second, the fear is not about right this second. It's about what may happen next or what's to come. Which why, this is why it's so key that you have peace with God. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. One of the names of the Lord given in that, again, Christmas kind of passage is this, Emmanuel, Emmanuel. Emmanuel means this, God is with you. God is with you. Amen? Jesus is with you. He will not leave you and he will not forsake you. So you may not know what's happening tomorrow but God will be with you tomorrow. And he'll be with you, yeah, amen. Lack may show up, 
but you're connected to God in the middle of that lack. And he has abundance. He has so many ways to take care of you that may not come through your paycheck. He provides in ways that are above and beyond what you could ask, think, or imagine. The peace that comes is not the paycheck. It's the fact that God is with you in the middle of whatever it is you're going through. There may be people that oppose you tomorrow, but it doesn't matter that they oppose you tomorrow because of Emmanuel. God is with you, and he's with you not based on your perfectness, but because he promised he'd be with you because you put your faith in Christ. Are you hearing this? Emmanuel, God is with me, not God will be with me, not God was with me, God with us, with us. This week it really blessed me thinking about the idea of Emmanuel because I thought about the times that God has been with me that I have been cranky. <laughs> this may not be appropriate to say, I'm a pastor and I'm in a church. Forgive me, give me grace. But there was a phrase we used to use when our kids were growing up, you've got poopy pants. You can edit it off the film. But there are times that I've had poopy pants. And to watch God be faithful to me even in those moments. I told you the story one time a couple months back where I lost my iPad at a car wash. Somebody stole it. And Maria looked at me and said, well, just pray. Believe God we're going to get it back. And I said, you pray and believe God we're going to get it back. I said, my iPad's sold somewhere down the road. Here, I'm a pastor, people. She's like, well, just pray about it. I'm like, you pray about it. I was so upset. Yet 24 hours later, my iPad came back. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Absolutely. So she was way more spiritual than me in that moment. But just last week, she lost something. Don't tell her I'm telling you this. And. I was like, well, God's going to take care of you, replace it. And she was like, it's not going to happen, whatever, whatever. 24 hours later, she got back what it was she lost. <laughs> I don't even remember what it was you lost. What was it that you lost? Anyways. But now we're even. But the point was this. Even that simple little story, because there were times where I thought I have to confess it perfectly for God to come through. I have to stand on the word perfectly for God to answer my prayer. I have to, these are my own assumptions, right? But you know, there's times where you can have faith for a season and then there's times where your faith just drops. Is that, is that real for anybody else? And if it's contingent on your perfect standing or your perfect confession or your perfect performance, we have moments like this. And you know what's beautiful is there's times where my faith wanes that God did use Maria to pray something that I didn't have the faith to pray for. You know, that's why we bear one another's burdens as well, right, my friends? We need each other. If I could do it all on my own, I wouldn't need you to be my prayer partner, but sometimes I need my prayer partner to believe because I've lost some of that confidence. But praise God, God is still with me. Emmanuel is still with me, whether or not I did it perfect in the journey. Amen. So my peace is about his perfection, about his faithfulness to his promise. Because sometimes I may have questions up here in my head, but my heart still does believe. My head can be under attack, but my heart is still, like, connected. 
Amen? Jesus is with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. He's with you on your good days. He's with you on your bad days. He's with you when you feel him, and he's still Emmanuel even when you don't feel anything. That's faith, my friend. That's, that's God speaking to you this morning, not with a sermon, but with a declaration. You may say, I, don't, I haven't felt God in six months. Don't be moved by what you feel. Emmanuel, God is with you. You have been reconciled to God. You have peace with God. There's no reason for him to leave you. Are you understanding? He is faithful to his word, not faithful to your feelings. Come on. Did you just hear that? What? Yes. He is faithful to his word, not your feelings, not my feelings. You have been reconciled to God. That's what matters. You are at one with God now. Man, that was... Days when you feel him, days when you feel nothing. Days when things are going great and you feel like you're succeeding, and even days when you feel like you're failing. Somehow, someway, even when things look like they're sliding out of order and they're failing, somehow, someway, God will cause all that to work together for some good. You know what? You can, you've watched things. All of us have. We've seen things in our life that we're like, God, I'm praying, but yet that business still shuts down. You ever been there? God, I'm doing everything I thought, but yet it still looks like it's all failing. But then if you can fast forward three years, you can look back and see how God turned it around for some good. Because he never left you, even though that looked like it was failing. You are not a failure. Amen. Amen. Jesus is with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Your peace is not contingent on the circumstances surrounding you. Your peace is based on the finished work and the presence of the one that will never leave you or forsake you. Your peace, I'm going to say it again, is not contingent on the circumstances surrounding you. Your peace is based on the finished work and the presence. Not the presence that you necessarily feel all the time, but the reality of Emmanuel, God is with you. He's with you when you don't feel him again. I got to say that because sometimes we get the idea of the presence of God being a feeling thing. The presence of God can be in this room and you feel nothing, but he's still present. He's your ever-present help in time of need. Your peace is on the reality of his presence where two or more are gathered together. There I am, he says. And he fills you up. You are his temple. You are the temple of his Holy Spirit. You carry the Holy Spirit. His spirit and presence is always with you. You don't have to feel a goosebump for God to confirm he's there. Amen. Your presence, your peace is not contingent on the circumstances surrounding you. Your peace is based on the finished work and presence, the reality of his presence, of the one that will never leave you and never forsake you. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. For God has said, I love this word. For God has said, God has said, not Pastor Kevin has said, God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Somebody clap and praise God for that. For God has said, God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, 
The Lord is my helper. Say that. The Lord is my helper. Woo! The Lord is my helper. So I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? <laughs> Don't you love that? You can celebrate God's word for that. Go ahead. You're not running out of praise. You got more. Dig it up. Give him praise. Isaiah 41.10. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. This is not you trying to pull yourselves up by your bootstraps. This is the Lord saying, I will hold you up. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Can you open your hand right now just for a second and look at it? And just imagine God's hand and you being right in the middle of that hand and God holding you up. He's lifting you up. He's keeping you whole. He's keeping you, he's keeping you above. He's keeping you where, where you're safe. He's not going to let go of you. The devil can't take you out of his hand. No human being can take you out of his hand. He's decided to hold you, and not just hold you, but hold you up with a victorious right hand. You may not feel it, my friend, but this is your position. You are safe in the hand of the Lord. You are safe in the hand of the Lord. I want to encourage you to have sweet sleep tonight. I speak this over you right now. Psalms 4.8, in peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. Right now, Father, I pray for those who are having a tough time sleeping because they're full of anxiety and fear, that, Lord, even when they sleep, you uphold them in your victorious right hand. Lord, there are issues, there are concerns, there are anxieties that go on in their mind. Their minds don't stop running. Their minds don't stop racing, thinking about every bad scenario. And right now, I break that assignment off of their mind in Jesus' name. Their mind and their soul has peace, has peace. And tonight, you will sleep. Tonight, you will rest. You will have eight hours of undis undis undisturbed, sweet sleep in Jesus' name. Peace, peace over you right now. Doesn't mean that the circumstances have all changed. Doesn't mean that the storm has gone away. But you will sleep because you realize you are in the hand of the Lord. He will not leave you or forsake you. While you are sleeping, the Lord never sleeps or slumbers. He watches over you, and he will take care of your business. In Jesus' name, I pray that over you right now. Go ahead and celebrate that, would you please? Amen. <laughs> Lastly, peace with others. Peace with God peace inside because I, I know he's with me. Peace with others. Peace with others. Open your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of Colossians one more time. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Make allowances for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. I just wrote this as a statement. You can write it down in your notes. I have been forgiven, and I will forgive those who sin against me. Peace with others. It's wonderful that we've been made right standing with God with undeserved privilege. It's not wonderful when we try to make other people earn their right standing back. 
with us. There are times that that's hard, but yet that's Scripture, to forgive because we've experienced forgiveness and grace first. There's a whole parable that Jesus talks about where a guy was forgiven a great debt, and he was released from prison from the penalties of his debt, and yet he went and he punished and penalized someone who owed him much less of a debt. Do you realize our debt towards God is way greater than any debt anyone owes us? And we are forgiven by grace. And the Bible is very clear that it's important that we extend that kind of forgiveness to others. Doesn't mean they'll take it. Hey, doesn't mean they'll take it, but yet we have to extend it. Amen? Amen. The Bible tells us this is really important to God, my friends, this whole idea of peace with others and forgiving others. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 24, that if you're even in church, or you're coming to the altar with a sacrifice to worship God, and it, you're reminded of an offense you have with somebody else, a division that you have. The Bible says to leave your gift on the altar, go and be reconciled to your brother, then come back and finish your, your altar time of worship with the Lord. This is big to God. This idea of saying, wait, there's this broken relationship, there's this offense, there's this uncomfortable space. That's why it's not good. Even in church sometimes, people have issues and offenses with each other, and they choose to still come to church and sit in the same room. Now, I'm not saying this church. I'm saying all the other churches. Thank the Lord we're in this church. But people will just come, and they'll be at division with each other, and they won't reconcile. But yet that's not the Scripture. Because that, you know what, it's still stealing your piece of worship even when you come to church. Are you understanding that? It's not, it's, it, ignoring it isn't making it go away. It's stealing something. I wasn't expecting a huge amen there, but amen. Amen. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 4.26 to not let the sun go down on our offense with other people. There's a sense of urgency of getting reconciled one to another. So the first statement I gave you was, I have been forgiven and I will forgive those who sin against me. That's a choice. It's a choice. It's not contingent upon their performance or behavior. It's a choice and it's an extension of forgiveness that I offer them. Number two, with peace with others, I can admit when I've sinned and I've made mistakes. I think that's important. It's important as a Christian, as a believer, that we have this practice in our life that we know we can miss it. We can make mistakes too. And sometimes it's, it's, it's difficult to reconcile to other people when you refuse to confess or admit that you've done anything wrong. You're like, well, I'll forgive them. But it's one, it's to reconcile with them, though, there may come a point where you have to admit your error. Come on. But as a believer, it's in, our, it's in our doctrine, it's in our practice that we're imperfect people. So it's not out of mind that you could have done something wrong too. That I, me, in being in the ministry for over 20 plus years, guess what? I still do things wrong. 
and I have to admit it, I need to admit it, I, it's important, amen. And that's okay, we're human beings. We make mistakes. So I can admit that I have sinned or I've made mistakes to other people, not just to God. Sometimes you're like, well, I'll tell God I blew it, but I don't want anyone else to know. Sometimes I have to tell my own kids. Hey, kids. That's not their names, that's what I'm referring to them. <laughs> hey, kids. Dad, Dad had poopy pants. <laughs> right? I'm sorry. It, and sometimes I have to do that with people around me. One benefit of being a believer is that we're aware of ourselves. We're aware that we can sin, that we can fall, we can miss it. We're aware of even the devil getting involved in these relationships and trying to fracture them and divide them. Not everyone's aware of all these things. You understand, not everybody in the world is, is aware of their own heart and actions and consequences and the spiritual side and the emotional side. But sometimes we just blow through life, all right? And we have fractured relationships everywhere and we're not aware of ourselves or how our actions impact other people. But Christians are aware of themselves. We are aware that we can sin. We are aware of what bitterness is. We are aware of what unforgiveness can do. We are aware of the devil and his schemes and his devices. And we won't let those things continue because it's going to steal, kill, and destroy from that relationship with other people, from your own Christian walk, from the church of Jesus, from your kids and your family. Are you understanding this? So there's an urgency here. We are aware. And we have God's help to do these things and forgiving and reconciling and doing what we can do. Amen. Last thought, as far as it concerns me, the Bible says live at peace with others, Romans 12, 18. As far as it concerns me, live at peace with others. You've heard it said before, and it's true, the only person you can control in any relationship is who? You. I can try to reconcile, I can try to apologize, I can extend forgiveness, I can extend opportunity to be at peace with somebody. And remember, the reason this is all possible is because I have been forgiven. I am at peace with God, and that God is also Emmanuel with me, and he's helping me both will and do his good pleasure, because the Italian side of Kevin Kringle isn't always as quick to forgive as the Christian side of Kevin Kringle, right? But Jesus is with me. Come on now. So you can't sit there and just say, well, that's not who I am. That's not my personality. You have the nature of God in you now. You have been partakers of the divine nature, and God is one to reconcile, and God is one to forgive. Come on and give grace. Amen. And do it. Come on. So you can't just look at it and say, well, it wasn't modeled for me. My dad didn't do it. My mom never did it. Other people didn't give it to me. Nobody gave me grace. Doesn't matter. As far as it concerns you, live at peace with other people. Now, they may not accept it. They may look at you and say, I don't forgive you. I don't want relationship with you, but you have done your part. You have done your part. Amen. You've honored God, and you've done your part. And I believe that you'll sleep sweet, even if they choose to remain offended. You can't control their choice, but you can be at peace, knowing that you have done your part to be at peace. And it's all rooted back to how Jesus has treated us. Somebody give God praise for his word. Did you get anything out of that today? Come on, thank you, Jesus, for your word. Go ahead and stand on up. Let me pray this over you. And then we're going to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus today as your Savior.
I love God's word. Final scripture. This is my prayer and my confession over you. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that beautiful? I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely today with joy, completely today with peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, I pray these scriptures over your body today. Help us to receive salvation if we have not yet done that. God, help us to remember that we have peace with God because of Jesus Christ today and be confident in that, that God is with us, Emmanuel. You're always with us. And in the awareness that you're with us, it doesn't matter what comes in front of us. It doesn't matter what may happen tomorrow. What matters is that you're with us to face whatever's coming. And finally, God, when it comes to other people today, quicken to our spirit. If there's anyone that we need to come to, apologize to, open opportunity to reconcile to, that, God, you give us a grace to do that. You'd help us to not avoid it as we go through this Christmas season. That, God, there would be a spirit of reconciliation that happens in this house, in our homes, in our families. Lord, I thank you. I give you praise for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me do this. I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We've talked about being reconciled to God, being brought into a place of undeserved privilege. The Bible tells us that all of us have sinned and fallen short of his glory, which means everyone needs a Savior, needs Jesus. The wages and penalty of that sin is death, separation from God, even hell. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. The Bible goes on to say that all who will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So that's where we are today. Have you ever called on the Lord Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior? You might have heard about Jesus. You might have gone in and out of church a bunch in your life. But do you remember a time in your life that you said, Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. Be my God. Or you might say, Pastor Kevin, I used to have a relationship with God, but I've been running. I'm not where I should be, but I sure would like to recommit myself 100% to Jesus today. Would everyone bow your heads and close your eyes for the next few minutes? And I want to give you an opportunity. I want to count to three, and when I do, you say, that's me. I need to pray. I need to ask Jesus to save me for the first time. First time in my life, I'm going to ask Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. I'm ready. Or you say, I want to recommit myself 100% to Jesus today. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of living on my own. I need Jesus' help. I'm recommitting today. When I count to three, you can raise your hand as well. And we're going to pray a prayer right at your seat. Ready? One, two, three. If that's you, would you put your hand up today so we can pray for you? There's one hand right there. Awesome. Anybody else today? Just pop your hand up and we'll pray for you wherever you are. Put it up high. I'd just love to acknowledge it. Two, three. Thank you very much. Praise God. Anybody else today? Committing your heart to Jesus. Four. Awesome. Five. Praise Jesus. I got it. Five right there. Six in the back. 
I got that one there. Awesome. Praise God. Yep. All right, let's pray together, would you please? So no one's praying by themselves. Would you pray this prayer with me? Let's all pray together. Dear God, I thank you that you see me just as I am. I realize that I've sinned and I've walked away from you. I receive Jesus Christ today as my Lord and Savior. I believe that he died for me and that he rose again. Please forgive me of my sins. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Take every part of me now. Be my God. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you celebrate those six? And maybe you prayed that online. Welcome home. Welcome home. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.